Listen to your emotions. That doesn't mean make your emotions correct. It means just observe them because that is where you're gonna gain clarity. If you're feeling guilty for setting a boundary with a narcissist, if you actually pay attention to that guilt and what that feels like in your body, you will very quickly realize that that guilt is not yours to carry. Welcome to Community Good, the podcast that shares powerful lessons to help you navigate the life you want. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. In this episode, you'll hear from Adriana Bucci, who after nearly three decades of enduring narcissistic abuse and four years of dealing with severe chronic pain and migraines, made the choice to embark on her own healing journey. Now, a life coach specializing in helping other people heal from narcissistic trauma and abuse, Adriana shares more information about what narcissism is, how you might be experiencing people with it in your workplace, family, or personal life, and strategies for healing, setting clear and healthy boundaries, and moving on. And now, my conversation with Adriana Bucci. Well, Adriana, thank you so much for joining me. I it, this is one of those conversations where I am really, really looking forward to it, but not because it's not because it's like the super happy, cheery thing. It's it's a conversation that's going to be fairly hard at times, I mm-hmm. think, for us to get into, but it's going to be incredibly helpful for people. I know your work has been incredibly helpful to me, and I just cannot thank you enough for taking the time to record with me today. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation too. And yes, I agree. It's not like a cheerful, happy, happy conversation, but it's definitely one of those that will be very helpful and I think doesn't happen often enough. Right. Well, and that's that's really why I wanted to get into it because um, I, you know, I think about the conversation, which we are going to talk about the narcissistic personality behaviors, all the things that go with it. And you're probably going to give us all kinds of information about what it is and what it isn't and sort of what we need to look for. And you and I will have this conversation around it. But I think what hit me was the way in which this conversation is so needed because of how it influences and impacts so many people that I know. Because when I start talking about the behaviors or the traits if I'm at a, you know, if I'm out to coffee with a friend, I have found that there's so many people that say, I know someone like that, or I've mm-hmm. had this really incredibly difficult situation that I didn't know what to do. And I think it comes back to this kind of trauma that people have experienced. And and I'll I'll set it up this way, which is the way that I found you, and we're gonna talk about your Instagram and how people can join your community, certainly before we get off the um, the podcast today, but I found you not because I knew of your name or your account, but going through Instagram, a video had popped up and it was one of your videos that you had created and it was, and I'm kind of paraphrasing now, but it was talking about the kinds of things a person might hear if they were dealing with a narcissist. And it wasn't necessarily from the narcissist themselves. Mm -hmm. It was from other people that also have a relationship with the narcissist. And it was something like, you know, you just need to get over it. You know, you just need to be able to be the bigger person and move on. Like, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really on you because, you know, this person isn't going to change. So you need to figure it out. And it was like, it's, it, it literally was the video that just stopped me in my track. And I kept just watching it and watching it. And then I, 
went over to your account and then like the rest is history because I've been following you and learning so much from you over the last year. So with all of that said, how did it come to be that you became a narcissist trauma coach for people? What's your story and background to all of this? So it's, it is a long story, but I will try to Coles notes it as much as possible. Um, chronic pain, believe it or not, is what got me to be a narcissistic abuse recovery coach for survivors of narcissistic abuse. Um, and it really was, you know, in, it was 2015, I got my wisdom teeth removed. And then there was this crazy slippery slope where my health just sort of took a nosedive and I ended up with very bad chronic pain. I had migraines, TMJ dysfunction. Eventually I had carpal tunnel syndrome. I even had surgery on one hand. Um, just all these things were messed up with me um, because of my jaw, supposedly. And um, I was doing this like stupid jaw treatment, which I call it stupid because it was stupid. It was completely useless and like a waste of money and time. Um, if I had only found out about how to heal beforehand, it would have been great, but Hey, you got to live and learn, right? right. Um, and so I ended up getting shingles in my mouth in October of 2018, which was basically the catalyst for everything. Um, and I ended up with something called trigeminal neuralgia after getting shingles in my mouth. And people don't really get shingles until they're like a senior. And, you know, if you've had chicken pox as a kid, but like I was 30 when this happened. So, you know, little young for that. And it was the second time in my life that I had had shingles. So like, I was wondering like, what is wrong with me? And yeah, like I ended up with trigeminal neuralgia, which it's the nerve in the face. I won't get like all scientific into it or anything, but basically it's nicknamed the suicide disease because that is how painful it is. And I can tell you, it is that painful. I literally told my husband, I was 30 at the time. I told him, I'm going to try to give you to 40. And cause you know, if I'm in this much pain at 30, I have no idea like how much worse it's going to get. And like, I already don't think I can handle this. And um, then one day, January 2019, I was just scrolling on Facebook, minding my own business. And this was like sort of before people were more comfortable with like buying stuff online from like a random app that you see. Um, but I saw an ad for this app called Curable um, and it was marketed for people with chronic pain. And so I downloaded it because I was so desperate. I was in so much pain every day. I tried everything for my pain and nothing really touched it. Um, or it would stop working after a couple of days or whatever. Like just, there was nothing that was ever lasting for my pain relief. And so I downloaded this app and I thought, okay, it's going to maybe hypnotize me into thinking I don't have pain anymore, whatever. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so I opened the app and I immediately got offended. And it basically said that chronic pain that persists for more than six months that, you know, it had been four years for me at that point that, you know, the doctors have ruled out anything life and death or any recent fractures. It's actually an accumulation of repressed emotions from childhood trauma. So of course I was extremely offended when I first heard this. Cause I was like, I don't have childhood trauma, even though I, I knew at that time that I had a narcissistic mother. Um, I was well aware of it, but I didn't think that like healing was a thing because I had done therapy for a while, like several years at that point. And I wasn't really getting anywhere with it. Like I wasn't getting help with a capital H and, you know, I just figured, Hey, you know, I'm raised by a narcissistic mother, so I'm just scarred for life. And that's what I have to look forward to. Whoop-de-doo. So I just sort of accepted misery. And so I took 24 hours to be very angry about 
this app that I just purchased and I impulse bought like a full year subscription to it and everything. Um, so I was just like super angry at myself for just doing that without looking into it. And of course, the next day, 24 hours later, I'm still in pain. So at that point, I figure, okay, I'm still pissed, but I have this app. It's supposed to help for pain. I don't think I have trauma, but humor me app. Let's see if it works. And it worked. And within four months of doing the inner emotional work, I was pain-free. Um, so no more chronic pain, no more TMJ issues, no more migraines every day. It was amazing. And I decided to become a pain coach. And so as I started posting content about, you know, how like repressed emotions can cause physical pain, I eventually started to open up about being raised by a narcissistic mother and that started resonating with so many people. And then I started to see like, this is, this is a bigger problem. Like this is a really big problem. And a lot of people who have been raised by a narcissist or are in a relationship long-term with a narcissist have some form of chronic pain anyways. So I sort of shifted my coaching for narcissistic abuse survivors and Half the time, they've got some sort of a mind-body connection symptom regardless. So the inner work sort of kills two birds with one stone. So I like to be efficient. And that is pretty much how I'm here. <laughs> well, you, when we first met and, and when we started having a conversation before recording, I appreciated so much that you shared that full story because I remember being introduced to the mind-body connection Probably, it's probably been now about five years ago. Um, I was working with someone who, uh, a colleague of mine, and she said, have you thought about buying this book? Have you started talking about the mind-body connection where you're, you're holding emotions in your body? And it's funny because I had read it. I went all in for it. And then when you and I talked recently, I thought to myself, you know what, I've been away from it for a little bit. So even though I've been following you for at least a year now and learning all these things, I still think it's sort of my reminder. So it's almost like, you know, for everybody listening, like it is absolutely worth, you know, digging into that. I mean, we're not going to talk about that as the topic today. Obviously, we're going to talk about narcissistic abuse and some other things that you can do to manage through and navigate it. But it is... That is really big for anyone who is managing any kind of chronic pain right now, especially I think they talk about neck, back, feet. There's like such distinct mm -hmm. things that are connected to emotional suppression. Totally. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. I know it's not necessarily easy to, to always talk about the stuff that you had to go through. And I'm sorry that it took that long. I mean, gosh, that's a long time to be in pain. But wow, what a relief. Yeah. For you to get yeah through. honestly I'm kind of grateful for that pain because so much came out of it like it ended up sort of being a gift which I can say that now but back then there was no way I could ever see it as like a positive um so yeah I'm always happy to share that this stuff works and I'm proof of it well and your your community is proof of it too so I thought mm -hmm. you know where I think would be really helpful for people who are listening to this um, again, we're going to be talking about narcissistic trauma. We're going to be talking about narcissistic abuse. You may have somebody in your life that you have a relationship with. You may have experienced this before, maybe with a coworker. You know, who knows? There's, there may be things that have popped up for you. You may be thinking to yourself, I'm not really sure if I have someone in my life like that. And I think what would be helpful is, Adriana, like, just define for us what is a narcissist? Because Interestingly enough, as I've done more research myself into it and learn more about it, I think it can sometimes be used um, incorrectly for people. And I'll give mm -hmm. you an example where 
I heard someone use the term narcissist when I probably would have more described the person is showing arrogance, but it wasn't necessarily narcissistic because mm-hmm. of what I now know learning from mm-hmm. you what it is. So if you would just share for the audience, what what does it really mean to be a narcissist? Mm-hmm. So arrogance is definitely a trait that narcissists have for sure, but you know, any anyone can be arrogant about anything. So it's really important not to get caught up in every single little thing on the checklists that you see online, because that can make things very confusing. And it can also make you wonder, wait, am I the narcissist? And I'm just going to say very quickly, if anyone is worried that they're the narcissist, you probably not because narcissists don't really self-reflect. Um, but you know, it, it can be very, very confusing. And we all have narcissistic traits at the end of the day. We all do things that we're not proud of. It's just part of being human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that are not cool. Um, but a narcissist intends on doing things that, you know, hurt other people. So, Basically, their goal is to get narcissistic supply from whoever their target is. And what supply is, is your attention, your energy, your resources, time, money. If it's a romantic relationship, supply can also be sex, you know, like so any sort of attention that you are giving to that person is supply. And then when you cut off that attention, they get very angry with you and they start throwing a tantrum and all that kind of stuff. And there's a very obvious cycle that when you kind of go into observation mode and, you know, it's kind of hard to see it when you're in the bubble because it's so confusing, but it's love bomb devalue discard. It's the three stages of the cycle of abuse. And so love bombing is basically whatever you want to hear, whatever they need to say and or do in order to gain your trust. And then you'll notice as soon as you start trusting them and they have gained your trust, that's when the devaluation starts and they'll start, you know, insulting you, but it'll be very underhanded. Um, you know, it might not be very obvious at first and you might not realize it right off the bat, because you just came back from this high from the love bombing. Um, So that's really just a distraction so that it can justify the abuse. And then there's the discard phase, which, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't discard. Sometimes it's just like the silent treatment for a few minutes, and then they come back as if nothing happened. Um, Sometimes they never talk to you again, but that's, you know... When you're lucky, (laughs) um, the narcissist never talks to you again when they discard you. But, uh, you know, it usually like the cycle repeats. So they need to have those good moments with you in order to set up the abuse that is inevitable throughout the entire relationship that you have with them. They do not change. And, you know, you, you might have tried reasoning with this person and there is no reasoning with someone who is so unreasonable because this is someone who thinks it's okay to abuse other people because they get their jollies from seeing them reacting and they, you know, they feel a sense of power and control over getting that emotional reaction out of their target. So, you know, anyone who's purposely triggering you, um, you know, asking you about your vulnerabilities and throwing that back in your face, that is probably a narcissist in your life. And you probably want to set some boundaries with them. Um, You know, so I, there's so many traits that I can list off, like, you know, they're very charming at first when they're love bombing you. So charming is a very big red flag. (laughs) Um, You know, but that doesn't mean everybody who's charming it has like the intent to be an abuser. So, right. you know, just something to keep in mind. You want to look at the pattern more than the traits. So, right. I hope I, that makes- well, it makes a ton of sense because, uh, you know, having 
gone through and learned so much from you around the love bombing, the devalue stage, the discard stage. That is actually something really important to point out here to everyone, which is, is when you see this pattern happening, that's when it's your not just clue, it is the red flag. It is them mm-hmm. showing themselves to you that this is the cycle that you're going to continue to go through with them. And another big point that you made that I just want to highlight here too, which this took a long time and this took me actually learning from you and following you and some other other experts that talk about this online as well, which is they don't change. And part of what is the what I think is in some cases the hardest part of this is accepting that because there's there's so much, you know, where where I've come from is that I wanted to to change them. I thought if I could just if I could just say the right words, if I could just do it in the right way, if I could just plan this this interaction that we're gonna have with multiple people, if I could just if I could just do mm-hmm. all these things, then they would be okay. That these things the wouldn't trap. happen. Mm-hmm. And that is the trap that they want you to believe because they're the ones that are causing the chaos. And no matter what you do, it's never going to, they're never going to be satisfied, but they trap you in that thinking of if I just did this differently, or, you know, you start ruminating over everything and, you know, everything was the wrong choice. And maybe if you said it in a different tone or you used a different word. And the thing is relationships don't have to be that complicated. Right. Right. I think that's another one too, is that, and I've thought about this in general, because there may even be somebody that's listening right now going, I still am not sure whether or not I have somebody that like like that in my life. But I think what you just said, regardless of personalities that you do have in your life, that relationships f- should not feel difficult. Mm-hmm. Yes, relationships, sure. You know, you and your husband have conversations. My husband and I have conversations. There's probably things that we disagree with for time to time. But we're able to have a conversation with them. They're able to have a mm-hmm. conversation with us. We're able to actually move forward and not throw something back in each other's faces. How exactly. many years later? And I think that's the difference is don't misinterpret that this means it's a perfect relationship where you never get into disagreements, that if you have the right relationship and anything that isn't perfect must be that somebody is a narcissist. This is different. This is mm-hmm. going through these cycles. You know, one of the things, though, that I think is probably – is problematic and I think concerning as I was working through this is the gaslighting feature of all of this. Mm-hmm. It's it is one of the hardest things that I had to navigate and one of the most frustrating. So if you could just talk about how that shows up in this kind of personality when somebody's dealing with a narcissist. Mm-hmm. So gaslighting is it's it's the crazy making stuff at the end of the day. Um, so it's a manipulation tactic that narcissists use in order to kind of make you not trust the reality. So, you know, it makes you question your reality. So they will basically, for example, they'll say something and then you call them out on it and they'll say, I didn't say that, you know, or they'll literally have just done something and you say like, why did you do that? And they say, I didn't do that. So like, they just, they, they just take the truth and the reality, they twist it to support their narrative. And they try to convince you that you're wrong. You, something's wrong with you. You're going crazy because the sky is actually red, it's not blue, and two plus two is five, not four. So you're the crazy one for thinking that it's four or blue. Mm-hmm. 
that's pretty much what gaslighting is all about. And they'll tell you also that like you're too sensitive and stuff like that. When the reality is humans have emotions and, you know, they'll probably call you sensitive if you ever, you know, start crying about something that they say to you. And that does not mean you're too sensitive. That means that this person's abusing you and you're having a very appropriate reaction to the abuse, but they don't want to take accountability. So instead of admitting that, you know, they shouldn't have said that to you or done that to you, they make they make it your problem that, you know, you're just, you don't have thick enough skin, something's wrong with you and you're the issue. And then that, that makes it a distraction. That makes the abuse a that gets um, the target distracted from the abuse rather. And so then the target starts wondering like, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to get help. Like some, I'm going crazy. Like something's wrong with my brain. Like, you know, I was literally like, I was in my mid twenties Googling if you could get Alzheimer's at 25 because of all the gaslighting that I had been through at the, at that time. So it's definitely the stuff of nightmares. Well, and and the stuff where you almost start to here's how I played it out when when things like like that would happen I would I would go to close friends or I would talk to my husband and I would say am I crazy like I mm-hmm. I, I said this thing I don't know how like now I don't even know what to do I don't even know how to navigate this and what's interesting is the thing that you said as the as part of how it how else it might show up as gaslighting not only saying that they didn't say whatever they said or you heard that wrong or whatnot. This whole idea, this sensitivity thing, I have heard from numerous people that I've talked to that have dealt with this kind of behavior. And I, you know, have personally gone through it where it sounds like this. Well, you're I guess I'm just not that sensitive. I, you know, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to me. I mean, obviously it's a big deal to you. And I I just, you know, I guess you just must be really sensitive around that topic. And to your point, and I just want to reiterate it to everyone out there, that is not okay. If someone has hurt your feelings, they hurt your feelings. And it is okay for you to sit in that. Do not let someone else take that away, especially the person who's actually caused you to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Huge, huge piece of all of this. Um, totally. Well, I we're gonna. I want to talk and get into. You know, is there is there anything else before we get into how do you deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think we've already set it up. You're not going to change them, and that's one of the mm-hmm. first things you have to. Maybe not the first thing, but one of the things you're absolutely going to have to understand and accept mm-hmm. is that you can't change them. But before we go into talking about how do you navigate this, how do you deal with a narcissist, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that that pops up for people or that they might experience that, that they would need to be aware of around narcissistic abuse? Probably. Probably like the flying monkeys and enablers. Um, so these are just people that support the narcissist and they they will basically support their narrative and encourage you to go back into an abusive situation, for example. Um, or they'll, you know, like an enabler is someone who would basically say, oh, but that's your mother if the narcissist is your mother, for example. And it's like not, nothing else matters other than the fact that this person's your mother. So, you know go make peace with your mother and let her keep abusing you because she's your mother kind of thing. Um, So they'll, they'll say things like that. And then flying monkeys are people that the narcissist will recruit pretty much to send your way to get information out of you. And, you know, it's basically a way of getting secondary supply from you, even if you're not 
physically present to give the supply. If you're giving the supply to the flying monkey and they report back, the narcissist is happy and they feel in control. Um, so that's, those are definitely, you want to like really watch out for these people. Um, and I know that it's really easier said than done and it can get very confusing. And what I'll end this off with is that anytime you are confused, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part of it because it keeps you in this confused state, distracted state. It must be me state. Why can't I figure Mm -hmm. this out? You know, I'm glad you brought up the flying monkeys piece of it, Um, which, by the way, like I said, we're going to share where people can follow you because you put out stuff on a daily basis that is so helpful and it helps resonate for people, too. And it gives examples. It, But that made me think of um, part of what you talk about, which is the narcissist can become a really skilled puppeteer, if you will. They may not even be somebody that necessarily are like, oh, this is a very orchestrated person and they're just this very put together person. But I'll tell you what, when they're able to puppeteer, and I I experienced it when suddenly it it occurred to me that the narcissist was talking negative about whomever wasn't in presence. So Mm -hmm. their circle of people, they would talk negative to about whoever wasn't there. So then it started to occur to me, I'm thinking, well, there's situations where I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I bet this kind of crazy stuff goes on there too. And it would be, and I say crazy, it would be extreme things happening where, you know, they were being treated so incredibly poorly. And I'm thinking, I know these other people and that just seems so incredibly not aligned with what I know about them. And it doesn't mean that people aren't capable of doing things that aren't nice. I'm not saying that, but I do think that that's another red flag. If suddenly you're finding out that everyone that the narcissist talks about always has these horrible problems or doing these horrible things to them, I feel like mm-hmm. it was sort of like my checklist of like, oh, that's why then when they get angry with me, they're probably saying the same things about me to these other people. Totally. Yeah. Did you 100%. have siblings growing up? No. Okay. So you were an only child. I have two half brothers. Yeah. I was an only child, but two half brothers from my dad's first marriage, but I didn't grow up with them. Okay. I wonder, cause I, yeah. I also think about it in um, intimate relationships too, of like where children can maybe be part of the puppeteering against oh, yeah. a spouse or a significant other, a girlfriend, boyfriend. Oh, totally. I was a pawn in my mother and my narcissistic mother and my dad's marriage, basically. Like that's the only reason I pretty much exist. Um, and I, I was used as a pawn in the divorce. It was ridiculous. So how did that show up? Like, talk to me, like what's an example of something where you would be used as a pawn in their relationship? Oh, like the custody battle, you know? So I, and I didn't even realize this until my mid to late twenties when I found documents proving that my dad was telling the truth. Um, Basically, I found out that my dad did actually pay for child support, but she kept telling me that he didn't and he wanted us to just, you know, be penniless and whatever. So she basically stole all the money and used it for herself. Um, And yeah, like anytime that he wanted to see me, she would talk shit about him to me. And then I would tell him, I don't want to see you. And, you know, it was just, she really used me to get to him and to try and destroy his life as well. So it was that, like, that's one of the biggest examples I can give. She just caused so much hell for so many people because of her ego. Right. And the pawns can be both people and things. So, I mean, I think that's, that's another piece of it too, is that if they're in this constant mode of 
um, you know, things that they want to use. I did this for you. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I would think that you would do this thing for me in return, uh, mm-hmm. which starts to come up too. Yeah, they're very transactional. And they'll remember like, they won't remember anything that you do for them, but they'll remember every single thing that they ever did for you, even if it was like 10 years ago. And they'll just like throw it back in your face, just just to manipulate, just to have control over you. Right. I think that's a big deal too, where it's like stuff just keeps popping up where you think, this is interesting. I, I, I also think that they're really notorious for saying, I just want to move on. Let's just move mm-hmm. forward. I mean, you know, yep. obviously you're upset about this. Let's just do this. And then- out of nowhere, um, although I would say I'm past this now because of moving through this, but out of nowhere, you might hear about the thing that 10 years ago really bothered them. And yep. it's actually the reason why you're supportive of us moving forward with it, but they can't let it go. And so those mm-hmm. things constantly keep coming in. I think the biggest thing I learned too was just you have to accept that. Not just to accept that they're not going to change, you accept the fact that you accept the fact that that's going to come up from time to time. Just be prepared okay. for it. If you're going to have a relationship yeah. with it, be prepared. R- relationship with them, be prepared. So mm-hmm. let's actually transition into that. I, I would love to talk about, okay, so what's your approach? So if, I, if I'm coming to you as someone who wants coaching and wants to go through this process, where do we start and sort of what are the options at this point? Sure. So we basically start wherever you're at. So whatever is going on for you, whatever stage you're at in your healing journey, whether you're just starting or, you know, you're well into your healing journey and you're just kind of stuck or, you know, whatever's going on, um, that's sort of where we start. And then we kind of take it from there. Okay. And what are the options for people? Because I still think that there's going to be this option of, but don't I want to help the narcissist get help? Shouldn't I tell the narcissist, well, I think you have narcissistic behaviors going on here. I think you should get some help. What's the approach with a narcissist? Oh, right. So the approach with a narcissist, um, there, there is, it's best to just not approach <laughs> in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to tell them that you're a narcissist because then they're going to tell you that you're a narcissist and they're going to confuse you. And they're going to give you a nice little life review of every single thing you've ever done wrong in your life and try to use that to convince you that you're actually the problem. Um, You know, so it's just, it's not a conversation that's going to go anywhere. Another way that conversation could go is they might get angry with you um, and just say that they're not, and you don't know what you're talking about. Or they'll say that like, you're not a psychiatrist. You can't use that word. Um, You know, they'll whatever it just really depends on the context of the relationship what the narcissist is going to say but they're going to say whatever they think is going to trigger you into having any emotion that will cause you to be like easier to control kind of thing so if you do have to have a narcissist in your life like ideally if you're able to go no contact and make a clean break make a run for it and never look back that is in a perfect world what you want to do however you know we don't live in a perfect world. There's other factors that need to be considered, right? Sometimes you share a child with a narcissist. Sometimes there's a legal obligation with a narcissist. Sometimes the narcissist is your boss and you can't necessarily get a new job by tomorrow, like realistically speaking. So you have to sort of deal with them. And the best way to deal with them is to not give supply. So what does that mean? That means keep your emotions out of it. 
you have to understand that this person just wants to get a reaction out of you. And the goal is for you not to react to them. It's going to piss them off. They're going to notice a shift in your behavior. They're going to notice you're not being as much of a people pleaser as you used to be. And you have to keep that in mind because then they're going to try even harder to trigger that emotional reaction out of you. So you have to really make sure that you're sticking to your guns with not giving them that emotion. And a really great tool is the gray rock method. Um, and a lot of people say it doesn't work, but the only reason it quote unquote doesn't work is because of course you're dealing with somebody who's going to try harder to get that reaction out of you. And so be a gray rock is basically just being as boring as possible. You know, you don't have to be rude. You can be pleasant, like have a pleasant tone, but you know, one word answers, um, you know, only stick to the main points of the conversation that you're having. And, you know, like, for example, let's say it's a custody situation and one spouse, one of the exes is uh, driving the kid to the narcissist's house. And the narcissist says, or, you know, it's like, I'm just confirming I'm dropping little Timmy off at 2 p.m., for example. And then the narcissist says, okay, you're a horrible parent. You're this, you're that, blah, blah, blah. Like they're going to try to say anything to you to like undermine your parenting or make you feel like crap about yourself. Ignore that. Ignore that. They just want attention from saying that. It's irrelevant. It's just noise. And you have to look at it as if it's just noise. It's just a dog barking. You have to just tune it out. And it's really difficult to tune out because they are using words that they know are going to trigger you into giving them that reaction. So you have to really understand that game in order to successfully gray rock. And it's so important to do your own inner work as well in order to be able to deal with these types because it's so easy to get bamboozled and confused. And when you're doing your own inner emotional work and you're focusing on your emotions and how it, you know everything feels in your body, you'll be much more able to, you know, catch manipulations so much faster than you otherwise would have because you're releasing all that confusion when you are working on yourself and, you know, working on boundaries and stuff like that too, which, you know, boundaries, they have to be set with narcissists, but it's not going to go the same way that it would go with a healthy person. And it's so important to let yourself do that emotional work in the meantime, because, it's going to make things make so much more sense and it's going to be the best way to get your own validation because you're not going to get validation from the narcissist unless it unless it supports their agenda in some way. Right. Well, you said right there. I mean, I think the big piece of it, even toward the end, you talked about setting boundaries. So, you know, I would yeah. I would argue, I mean, the the no contact or the gray rock method are both ways in which you can set boundaries with a narcissist. And really, these are the primary ways to deal with this kind of personality. Once you realize that you're in a relationship, you know someone, I like all the examples you gave, that could be a boss, it could be a direct report, it could be it could be um, a parent, a spouse, a sibling, it could be all these different relationships in your life. So once you start to recognize that they are fitting into those things, then this is really the way to do it. I, you know, this was probably the one of the, the more difficult things for me to sort of navigate through. But to your point, if people can stick to it, as much as it does feel very stripped down to to the very basic things, it is like a freedom for yourself. Mm -hmm. So the setting the boundary around that, especially even if it's the gray rock, it's so hard because when they attack you, your immediate human reaction is to defend yourself, right? Yeah. And in some cases, exactly. even when we're not have our wits about us, it might be like, are you kidding me? Look at all these things you've done type thing, but it won't do one bit of good. Mm -hmm, exactly. Every 
additional word that you give to the narcissist is supply and they are feeding off of it. And you're only going to get exhausted by continuing to try and reason with this person and try to make them see your point of view. You're just not going to get anywhere. You're just supplying them with attention. Right. And I think that that's probably, if anything, why I wanted to have the conversation with you today, because like I said, I've, you know, I've had conversations with friends and with colleagues and other people, um, family members that have said, yeah, I've had these kinds of situations. And, you know, the more that people can learn about it, the more that we can help people manage. I mean, that in itself is such a great lesson for people um, so that they're aware of it. And I, to go back to the point where you said, um, because this has come up in my conversations too. I know I asked you about it the first time I met you, which was, well, I really want to prevent myself from becoming this because, you know, I really think about, you know, I've been doing, you know, some journaling and I've been meditating and I've been talking about like what things and you're like, ah, time out. I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> if you're already asking about these things, um, it's, it's just not something that occurs to a, a true narcissist. They don't think about having to work on themselves. So I, I can't thank you enough for talking through this. I mean, just for people to have the information for people to know, um, you know, what are some ways in which they can navigate it. But I am going to shift gears and ask you the question that I ask every guest on my show um, before we get an opportunity for you to share more about how people can connect with you, which is what is a life lesson that you have learned that has had great impact on your life that you'd like to share with everyone today? It's a really good question. And the biggest one of the biggest life lessons I've learned on my healing journey and, you know, healing from narcissistic abuse and just life in general is listen to your emotions. And that doesn't mean make your emotions correct. It means just observe them because that is where you're going to gain clarity. So if you're feeling guilty for setting a boundary with a narcissist, if you actually pay attention to that guilt and what that feels like in your body, you will very quickly realize that that guilt is not yours to carry. It's the narcissist who should be feeling guilty, but they just projected that onto you. And it's really scary to do your inner work. It's scary to do any emotional work in general. But when you can kind of like understand the amount of freedom that you'll get from doing that emotional work and the clarity that you'll get from it, you have no idea how much your life can change. So you know, just start journaling. Journaling is a really great way to start doing the inner emotional work. You don't have to cry every time you journal. Literally just take 20 minutes, rage on a page. Thoughts are not real. Feelings are not facts. And then destroy it after the 20 minutes. Do that every day. And you will see how much clearer, like, things just become. Like, you're going to, your life will transform when you start journaling. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you. I mean, ev what you just said there is fantastic. I hope everybody takes that away. But um, um, how I know people are going to want to get in contact with you. I know they're going to want to follow you and, and join your community and, and learn more from you. So where can they find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, any social media, really. Um, I'm most active on Instagram at Let's Get Your Shift Together. That's all one word, shift with an F. And uh, I do have a community membership with survivors of narcissistic abuse. There's a bunch of courses, 
live events each month, workshops in uh, the second tier. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So if that is of interest to anybody, it is a very safe space to connect with fellow survivors and gain the tools to heal and, uh, you know, move on with your life and actually do it from a, from a place of authenticity rather than just, you know, repression and pretending that there's no issue. I cannot thank you enough for spending the time with me. I want you to know this because I know you you don't necessarily maybe get all this feedback because of the amount of content and all the things that you put out to the world. But to, for you to be able to hear this, you did change my life. I wow. honestly Aww. did not know how to navigate some of this. And your you have absolutely changed my life. You've taught me so many things. And I just want other people to be able to learn from you as well. So thank you. Thank you for Aww. joining me. You're very welcome. And thank you for sharing that with me. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm so glad that, you know, just just my Instagram content alone was life changing for you. So that is that's huge. That's amazing. Well, thanks for joining again, Adriana. Thanks for having me.